help to unleash your inner Goldilocks, how to get it just right. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Very Insightful Conversation. Today, we continue on the theme that we're building in this series about emotional intelligence and how emotional intelligence is critical for our well-being, for our life success, for us to live our goals, for us to live and build a family successfully, build a community successfully, and make everything come together. It's very important for us as we get into this conversation to remember the ultimate lesson of Goldilocks, how to get it just right. How do we show up not too hot, not too cold, not too hard, not too soft? And in that process, how are we building our life and our future? And how are we raising our children? How are we parenting? How are we showing up at work? All of this is going to determine our success. And keep in mind, as we start this conversation, 80% of our success is directly correlated to our emotional intelligence. 20% is our IQ and our skills and capabilities because we do live in a world of humans. We do have to adjust and collaborate and coexist with humans in this world. And this is a skill you are going to be very grateful you've mastered. And to have this conversation with me is a coach and somebody I have known through Equipa Kids as the board chair. Jennifer Miller is part of our speaker bureau and somebody we value, somebody we respect, and somebody we bring into our community. And I cannot wait to have her wisdom permeate your weekend and the rest of your week as you get started. Jennifer, welcome to Unleash Anna Goldilocks. Thank you so much. I, it's it's a real honor to be here, to be with you all today. And uh, I can't wait to dig into this valuable conversation about emotional intelligence and parenting. It really has uh, been part of my life purpose in doing it in my family life and in, in sharing and learning with others. So thank you so much. I'm so glad you're here, Jennifer. Now, let's start with how you got started, because nobody goes into life, career, or parenting thinking, I have to have emotional intelligence integrated. It just happens as we <laughs> as we mature into our roles and as we realize, oh, my God, I have gaps, right? Because we are never traditionally trained for this. Share it with us your journey briefly so that that allows other parents and other professionals to relate to your journey. I, I think you said it so well. I'll underline the phrase, oh my God, I have gaps. <laughs> that was my story very much so. I started out uh, for a good half of my career working in schools and became very convinced very quickly uh, nearly 30 years ago that it was the social, emotional cultural, ethical development of children that we needed to invest in. Um, and so I spent a lot of time in schools doing that. And when I became a parent, uh, I was running around the state, around the country, working with schools. And I kept saying to myself, I have a baby at home. How am I going to do this? And I, I was looking for resources, not 
opinion-based mom blogs, although those are those are wonderfully supportive, but I was looking for something that was research-backed, something that connected to the child development literature so that I could really have faith and trust that what I was learning was what was going to really help my child be successful. And I couldn't find anything at the time. And so that was a good 15 years ago. And I I decided, okay, I'm going to start a blog called Confident Parents, Confident Kids. And every week I'm going to write about someone that I was working with, uh, educators who are parents, uh, parents in the community, myself, who were trying to build one of the the social and emotional skills in their child at whatever age and stage, and just share those practices because surely other people are working on this too. And what happened is this, the community grew out of this, this dialogue uh, about how do we do this? How do we parent with the lens of social and emotional development? And how can that build us as leaders of our family? And how can that enhance our children's success, uh, promote their mental well-being, uh, and prevent promote their success in school and life? And uh, it's been a, a really wonderful journey. I love how you painted that picture and it takes a lot for a mom while working to figure out how do I do what I'm doing and I'm helping other people's children but how do I show up for my child and how do I fill my gaps and you have mastered the art of combining the two a lot of mothers tend to think of them as two mutually exclusive things and then it becomes two separate tasks that takes up so much more effort. Any advice you have for parents, whether they are in the line of work that you're doing or they're doing some other work, how do they find the connection so that the integration makes life a little seamless, a little smoother? What what an amazing question. And there there are so many ideas rolling through my head. Most people don't do the work that I do and aren't fortunate enough to educate their learning and parenting into what they do for a living, uh, which is why I have a job, right? It's rare that we get to step back and actually reflect on our parenting because we are in the throes of work and parenting every day. We're, we're, we're working those hamster wheels all the time, right? Um, but I would say to uh, to people who are working professionals, who are trying to manage a household at the same time, and also care deeply about their parenting and how they're raising their children, uh, we have a, I just saw the statistic, a $166 billion industry in companies of paying for leadership development. It's incredible how much leadership development training is out there. Yet as I as I open my handy dandy leadership book, just one that is leadership backed, I was looking at data this morning and there was a chart that says who are the most influential role models in people's lives from zero through their entire life. 
and by and large, it's families. Even when children are emerging adults, even in their adulthood, we know this, but we also have data to back it up that families are incredibly influential. And so how can we focus on our role as parents in a substantive way, in a way that's truly reflective? I think one way is to ask the question over and again, when I'm facing challenges with my three-year-old, with my seven-year-old, with my 15-year-old, what am I learning in this process socially and emotionally? And what is the opportunity for my child to learn? Uh, there is always a social and emotional opportunity. And the great news is that when we work on our child's social and emotional skills, say self-awareness, they're really wrestling with their identity and how to define themselves versus what their peers, who their peers say they are. If we invest in supporting that exploration, we invest in our own social and emotional development in the process. So it is an interactive process. We are giving to our children and we are giving to our own well-being. And that is such an important point to ponder, Jennifer, because we are teaching our children self-exploration. And that self-exploration is truly an inward journey when they are young to understand how do I show up kind? How do I show up mindfully, right? How do I not argue and fight with everybody? How do I listen to other people and see what they mean, why they mean what they mean? Why are they thinking differently? Why are they acting differently, right? So we're teaching them how to have grace for each other's differences, how to take perspective, how to be kind, how to have compassion, how to have empathy, all of those we are teaching. How can people teach that as adults at one hand to the children and then show up as polarized adults in their own world? And what is the mixed message it's giving children? The reason I ask this is children learn from implicit and explicit messages. Explicit messages are what we are teaching them. Implicit is what they're observing. And research shows that implicit messaging is deep-rooted. Explicit can come and go because explicit is only validating what is implicitly creating awareness for children. And so I, I always wonder in a polarized world where adults don't have grace for each other, even inside a marriage, Adults don't have compassion and empathy for each other. How are children processing it and how should parents and adults take a step back and recalibrate their own sensitiveness? So we know that actions speak louder than words, but often we're not convinced at how much our children learn social and emotional skills through our modeling. Yet that is the very first and most powerful way that our children learn. Uh, it, and, and it can work in the opposite, right? We say something that we don't want to say, 
and maybe we shout it uh, loudly and we hear our children shout it back to us later on and we're shocked by that. Oh my goodness, I didn't think they were paying attention. Uh, so, but in the, the converse, we can ask the question, instead of talking about the importance of kindness, what are the actions that show kindness? And how in our family life are we showing kindness? So children, um, by the very nature of their development, make mistakes. They have accidents. They make messes, right? They're going to make poor choices. They need to do so to learn. But one thing that we can do is teach them that there is always a next opportunity to make a positive choice so that if they have have made a mess or hurt a sibling's feelings, we can guide them to repair harm. We can guide them to go talk to their sibling and apologize, uh, give them a hug, repair the relationship. We can guide them to, to clean up the mess that they've made. This teaches responsible behavior and those actions help our children enact what it looks like to be kind, to take responsibility. And by the way, if we do that at home, that is internalized because they're practicing it. They're, they're, they're working those muscles so that when they go to school, they have those rehearsals already underway and they can act kindly to their classmates but it really comes first by acting in those ways that we we hope that they will be at home and that is such an important reminder for adults and it's not just parents right it's uncles aunts grandparents neighbors they're learning from all the adults and what we are modeling for the young people in our community is exactly how we are showing up at work. Yeah. And I always smile just like you did the amount of money people spend training their employees. But these are life skills. These are human capabilities. We spend so much time teaching people the technical capabilities there is zero investment till you go into the work world on developing human skills. Any advice you have for families other than investing in modeling this behavior for children, what they can do for themselves so that they can show up in their professional life and in their social life the way humans, I mean, we're human, but our humanity is not given. We have to practice and cultivate it. And that seems to be a huge disconnect. And if everybody knew how to enhance their ability to show up with humanity, then children automatically learn because everything around them is reinforcing, right? If it's natural, then we don't have to do anything artificial. Any advice on how adults, the grown-up world, can embody that every day just because what better way to live? What better way to learn? I, I, you know, the way that I would respond to that is that if we use our family life as our 
expensive training vehicle for being leaders, for being change makers. Our children, if we if we pay attention and learn about how they are developing and ways that we can support their development, it helps us develop as, as humans. We exercise our skills and we can't help but bring that into every environment setting and relationship that we are a part of. So it is a matter of becoming aware that development is interactive with our with our children, that we as adults continue to develop. We're not finished products. Uh, we are continuing to develop. And if we take advantage of those moments that are that are challenging or even just our everyday routines, our everyday interactions, we ask the question, how is this a moment where I can build a social and emotional skill like empathy, you mentioned, compassion in my child? What's the opportunity here? If we take an advantage of those opportunities, we, we model it, we practice it with our child, we are growing those skills in ourselves. And there is a ripple effect in, in our own sense of well-being and sense of agency and what we bring out into the world. Thank you, Jennifer. Uh, before we get too far into this, I want our audience to know how to get in touch with you and how to engage you for themselves as a parent and family or for their school as a principal, as a teacher or a member of the parent teachers community. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, there is a book uh, that I wrote and illustrated called Confident Parents, Confident Kids, Raising Emotional Intelligence in Ourselves and in Our Kids from Toddlers to Teenagers. And it actually has a uh, a guide from zero to to age 19 of social and emotional development and ways in which we can support it as parents. Uh, so I, I think this is a great resource. Also, my site, confidentparentsconfidentkids.org, it, there are a ton of tools and resources that are free, and they are for every age and stage. Uh, and we have a diverse group of writers from across the U.S. who have very different family structures, different age children from different cultural backgrounds. And all of us write those, those tools and resources and strategies because we all need to be in dialogue and every family culture is unique and different. Thank you so much, Jennifer. I would love to open this up for conversation if our audience have any questions. And I see Precious here. Precious is somebody who is committed to propagating diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. And she is also involved in education. So if she has any questions, I would love to have that presented to you. Well, good morning. Good morning. I, I really appreciated this message and I appreciate you, Dr. Cass, for having her. And I, it was interesting when you were speaking about the leadership, because that's also one of my arms. <laughs> um, that I've noticed as well when you are particularly, I have a space in early childhood education. That's part of my background. And when working with 
people or other employees in different locations before I recognized what I say did not matter as much as what they had already learned about how you were to interact with children. And it was based on how they were developed and had grown up. They would listen politely, <laughs> but unless mm, there's a strong space of loyalty to what I've learned and what I do. And and one uh, another perspective or a thought that I'll share I remember when um, a time when all three of my children were home, they were at the table and I had come home from work. I was just in a disagreeable mood. It had been oh, one of those days and I just was, hmm, and everything they did was irritating me. And I'm just like barking a little bit. Da, da, da. And then I realized they're going to think they're awful children. I'm the one with the issue right now. So I remember just having to pause. They laugh at me later. They say, I used to always do this. And I said, um, it's me, not you. Mama's tired. I'm overwhelmed. You all are good children. It is this, that, and the other. So as far as when Dr. Cass asked about ways of helping, um, managing the family with all of these ways, I'm thinking sometimes, appropriately, it's letting them see our progress. Because since we are, we're the same, just different ages, but we're a result of our early childhood, the most more than anything, basically, let them see us as appropriate. And and as they see us work through it, knowing that we can overcome it, I can make another good decision. We can laugh and giggle later. We're going to all have fun. After. Um, I think that carries weight and they stand out in the world later because of it. Because you were human, you didn't act like you weren't, but you, you were letting them be a part of your journey to more wholeness. And it just opens the door up for them. So this is a um, close to heart topic that you shared and I'm just so excited about it and look forward to possibly connecting with you in the future as well. Precious. I, that is um, such a wise reflection and I, I love the story uh, with, with the parallel of you being an early childhood educator and seeing people bring their own upbringing into how they relate to children what you talked about is involves so many complex social and emotional skills, but, but at the heart of it, I, you know, letting our children see us, allowing them to, to see our vulnerability, that we are feeling people, yeah. that we are not perfect, that we, we don't control their destiny, uh, is so key and it actually builds their empathy for us, which we don't think about a lot. We're, we're always focused on how can we build their empathy skills? They need to be empathetic out there. But mm. as we share our hearts and say mm. this, you know, I love that you are such mm. good kids that my mood is not about you because that's immediately what kids interpret. It's about them, of course, right? She's mad at me. There's something going on. This is not about you. This is about mama having a really hard day. And I'm trying to, to let it go, but it's all inside me. You're teaching emotional intelligence in that mm. moment. They're gaining empathy. They're learning how you self-manage this, this action is kind of, I, I'm trying to go inside. I'm trying to help myself 
manage the jumble of emotion that has gotten worked up through the day, right? I have a a, a mom that I work with that calls it strange calm, <laughs> where she will literally, there's conflict, like, you know, there's chaos, and she will close her eyes in the middle of it all and and just go in and allow the jumble to start detangling, right? And she will not open her eyes until she feels enough of a detangle <laughs> to return to the room. Yes. Um, I want to build on one more thing that you said that I think is super powerful. And it is the reason why parenting is so tough. Our parenting training came in our childhood. Yes. We were trained by our family unit, whatever that looked like as, as we were growing up. It was a different time. The world was completely different, right? Our, our, our smartphones were, were not even thought of yet, right? The world was completely different. Our family environment was completely different. Our peers, our neighbors, everything was completely different. So our parents did the best they could or our caregivers in their context. But if we are basing our parenting on instinct, on our impulses, mm -hmm. we are reproducing that training and it does not fit with our current context, with our current mm -hmm. world. Right. So it really, it makes parenting extra difficult because the feelings from our childhood come up in those circumstances, no matter what we do, right. Our hearts mm -hmm. will, will reproduce our past. Mm -hmm. So then those self-management skills of taking that moment, right. Yeah. And, and, and reflecting and not coming from a place of impulse, but coming from a place of reflection is key to wow. anyone who is trying to rewrite history, who is trying to not reproduce the patterns of the past that just don't fit anymore, right? Absolutely, so I thank you for that. What a beautiful conversation, Precious. I knew you would have wonderfully precious insights. <laughs> That's what I love Thank with you. you, Thank you. And Jennifer, this is such a deeply meaningful conversation. One of the last things I want to touch on is a lot of times mothers get involved in emotional intelligence and raising their children, right? And research shows that women naturally are capable of doing this because society has conditioned us to go inward and figure out how we need to show up. Because we don't get to show up the way we want everywhere we want. That's just the way the world is. But what about fathers who've never had to do this growing up because they're boys who become men and they get to do what they want when they want. For them, this is a harder part. And even now, a lot of times fathers come home from work and they need to rest. They need to have a beer, a glass of wine, watch TV decompress mothers don't get to do that what yeah. advice do you have for fathers because daughters are learning what to accept from a man from their fathers and sons are learning how to be from their fathers 
fathers have an equal opportunity role here. What advice do you have for fathers? Fathers have an equal opportunity role here. Absolutely. And I think they bring a perspective on emotional intelligence that women can't. Mm -hmm. uh, and so their their role in family life is, is key in, in also becoming aware of their modeling, of their reaction to their own emotions, how they've been shaped by their their gender roles and and how emotions have played a, a part in that. Um, so often as I raise a boy and I'm married to a man, um, I'm very sensitive. Uh, in fact, my my partner, he will go to school meetings and he'll say, why am I the only dad here? It's so frustrating. Um, but, I, you know, I, it, and as you said, Dr. Kathari, we, uh, you know, we all get home at the end of the night and we're exhausted. So how can we accept our role and responsibility how can we become aware of the power of our influence? How can, can men embrace the identity of father as one of the most meaningful and important roles of their life? Uh, provider, leader in the workplace is important as well, yet their, their role as a father can be defining of the next generation. Uh, so how can they fully step into that role of father, not just as provider, but as model of empathy, of kindness, of support and understanding so that we're raising children who know males in that way as, as leaders of social and emotional intelligence. Absolutely. Yes, Precious. I was going to say from what you mentioned, uh, it hits home too, because I too am raising a son and I'm married to a man. Um, and it's an interesting journey because I, I I see it has to have awareness. That is the piece that to me is missing. Um, they are so impactful, but often in ways that they're not aware of and in things that we're not able to do because it's a, it's a, collaboration. So they have a role and we have a role. And when it comes to something as simple as what my children would eat, so much was influenced by what their dad would eat. So if he wanted to eat healthy, it was going to automatically influence them. But if he just wanted some chips and just what they were so easily influenced by things, I'm just going to say that are so simple. Um, but I think what tends to miss, and that's the catch, uh, is the awareness for them to get it and, and it's still collaborative because there are things that I, I hope to have helped him to get it better in. Now, he may not admit, yeah, you helped me get it. He may not say that. But there are just some things that um we're modeling all the time. The person with the greater awareness is the one tends to be with greater responsibility. Because what that man knows and does will impact my and his children. So if there are some blind spots that he just doesn't see, has not been groomed to see, May not everyone acknowledge on his own, but I see I have to be really, mm, I don't know how to, how, what's the word, but um, 
crafty in a good way. Crafty kind of seems like you're up to something, but I have to be aware of the best ways to bring my knowledge together with those who need it so that the outcome will be a benefit for children who can't stand up for themselves yet. So I'm one of the outlets for possibly uh, enlightenment or awareness, awareness, not the only because some of it comes from inside. People have to decide and choose and be willing. And unfortunately, when they don't, their impact is felt. It's just felt. But it is important that we do all we can for as long as we have um, on this earth to do what we can to help help others. Part of that social emotional intelligence, it goes beyond just us. We want better for others because we are all one way. Awareness yeah, was just my service. key. Absolutely. Precious, I really appreciate that. And I I think um as as I coached parents through the years, I I kept asking the question. We mostly I coached mothers, and we would work on all these wonderful things together. And they would, you know, they would commit to to practices, they'd go do them, it was working. But then there's the father uh, or the partner who they tried to bring into the fold, but they were spending so much time, right? They were just focusing conscious energy on bringing social emotional skill building into their parenting. And they were educators often, or someone who was in a uh, caring for children role, in addition to being a mother. And so it just the, the sheer amount of conscious energy they put on it, put them at another skill level. So then what do you do with the partner? And what I what I have come to in my own partnership over the years, um, so it, it is very personal, is that being vulnerable with your partner about where you're growing, where you need to learn, where your gaps are, is the way to begin to allow your partner to own their own stuff, right? Uh, Because if I was just, if I was in teaching mode, there was resistance, right? Like you're not the expert of our family. We're, you know, we're in this together. What are you doing? (laughs) But if we are truly partners, then I'm saying, you know, I'm right now I am having an identity crisis. I am not sure where to go with my career my my son is a teenager and he doesn't need me as much and i'm mourning that loss of that need every day and so that's where i am where are you so it begins the the conversation of of you know here's what i'm working on how how are you thinking about it or what can you think about and how can we support one another in our growth and development <laughs> that is a good probing question and it can lead to a whole nother hour. Ah, there's so much to discuss. I know. So maybe what we should do is we should hold off, take a rain check and come back to that conversation. I love it. Because a lot of times women are comfortable saying, you know what, I need your input as a way of eliciting the man into the conversation. But if it's the man's profession, he will come home and tell you what to do, what you can do with money. If I'm a doctor, I will tell you what to do with health. It's very comfortable for a man to come home and tell the woman and the family what to do. But the woman has to go through an entire juggling and circus making process 
to enlist the man to even be willing to come to the table, right? Even good men, because it's psychologically, that's how society has wired. So it's a whole nother rabbit hole. We will definitely go another day. But as we bring this to a close, I really want to know if you have one word of wisdom for parents and adults, what would that be, Jennifer? Oh, just one word. Uh, one <laughs> phrase, one sentence. <laughs> that's that's so hard. Uh, I we have uh, we have we feel the love so deeply for our children, and there is so much power behind that love that we want to help our children be successful. If we channel that love into learning about their development, learning about ourselves and how we can show that love with skill. It changes everything. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And that reminds me of the sign I saw growing up in the school, only for the teachers to see. It said, who you are speaks so loud the children are not hearing a word of what you are saying. Mm. It's a reminder for the adults who walk into the classroom. Be what you want the children to learn. Don't teach it to them. And on that insightful message and note, we bring this to a close and wish you all a wonderful week. And remember, who you are will always speak louder than anything else that comes out of your mouth.